Do you feel controlled, belittled or isolated by a partner or family member? This is domestic abuse and it is never your fault. Help is always available and you are not alone. You do not deserve abuse. You deserve support. If you are experiencing domestic abuse, ask for Annie in pharmacies, showing the Ask for Annie logo to get immediate help to call the police or support services. For free helpline support and advice, visit gov.uk forward slash domestic hyphen abuse. Welcome back to the Advice podcast. On this episode, we are talking about therapy, black men in therapy. And I'm joined by my good, good friend, my brother from another mother, Dele, to talk about our experiences as two black men who have both gone through and are still currently going through therapy. We talk about um, the things that therapy has taught us, such as attachment styles, such as childhood trauma. We talk about um, the process for getting into therapy, some misconceptions, what we've learned, what it's taught us, how we've kind of benefited from it, how you can do the same. So much, we cover so much in this episode. I also have a couple of new segments, including um, this or that. So find out what that's all about. And we also have a new segment called, Is It Just Me? Again, find out what that is by listening to this episode of the Advice podcast. So whatever you're doing, make sure you're comfortable. Grab your favorite choice of cold beverage. Turn the volume up and let's get right into this episode of the Advice podcast. Let's get right into it. They call you the millennials. The burnout generation. Millennials have it too easy. The stress caused by anxiety, work ethic, and even childhood. Millennials. 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 Blame it on the millennials. You're now listening to the Advice podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Advice podcast, a podcast where we discuss the stuff that doesn't get discussed enough. What a tongue twister, right? Shout out everyone who checked out the last episode, which was about domestic therapy and support in England, featuring a great guest in Patricia Walton. We spoke about the Ask for Annie campaign, which is a great initiative that helps people who are dealing with domestic abuse to covertly and discreetly seek help as you would have heard at the start of the podcast thanks to the advert this week we've got another topic that doesn't get discussed enough therapy and particularly therapy within the black community and i've got a special guest a, a dear friend of mine dele who has actually been on the podcast before you know people who are the veteran listeners from back 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 when would know that Dele actually featured on podcast episode 11 so we're talking way way back in the day and he's also not only is he a good good friend of mine but he's also a fellow black man who has had first-hand experience with therapy so we're gonna have a convert we're gonna have you know a conversation about that and also get his own unique personal perspective Dele welcome to the podcast thank you for having me on it's it's a pleasure it's crazy that it's cr- we speak every day pretty much and this is your second time being on a podcast in about four years <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit crazy yeah but it's this I, I knew for this topic there's no one that i'd rather talk to than you so because we talk about this quite often yeah we have regular conversations about therapy and you know our day-to-day what's going on and stuff like that so 
Exactly. So we're gonna we're gonna just pretend like we're talking as we normally do, even though the world is potentially listening. So not no big deal, no no pressures. Before we get into the main convo today, it would be good just to kind of set the scene in terms of the link between basically why this is even important to talk about as a black people. Yeah. And I've got some stats that really kind of help bring that to life. So Mental Health Foundation stats that I found says that black men are more likely to have experienced a psychotic disorder in the last year than white men. And they're also four times and black people are four times more likely to be detained under the Mental Health Act than white people. So already you can kind of you can see some it's it's looking a bit bleak. Mind.org stats. Black men and white men experience similar rates of common mental health problems, so common mental health problems, but black women experience substantially higher rates of them than white women. When it comes to psychosis, black men experience it around 10 times more frequently than white men, which kind of goes back to the earlier stat from Mental Health Foundation. But despite black people in very broad terms, having worse experience of mental health than white people, black people are twice as less likely to be receiving treatment for mental health problems. So basically, when it comes to mental health, we don't get the right treatment. We are, we over-index in terms of sections. We over-index in terms of serious mental health conditions, but we under-index in getting the support, such as therapy. Crazy crazy and then when we say therapy a lot of the time we say therapy but it's like there's different types of therapy and this is something that was was new to me but just to give people a bit of an understanding so you've got psychoanalysis and for those of you who've ever studied psychology you would know of a guy called Sigmund Freud he was the father of psychoanalysis as many refer to him and this approach looks at changing problematic behaviors, feelings and thoughts by discovering their unconscious meanings and motivations. And that's the type of therapy that myself and Dele have both had. So we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that in a little bit. Behavioral therapy, this approach focuses on developing both normal and abnormal behaviors and helping people kind of adjust, such as helping people get over their fears by desensitizing them. So imagine you're, you have a phobia of spiders and the, the psychologist works with you to kind of tackle that and overcome that. As an example, you've also got cognitive therapy, humanistic therapy, holistic therapy, the list goes on. And I won't go into those ones because we want to kind of ground it back and bring it back to the therapy that we're going to talk about today, which is the one that Deli and I both have firsthand experience of, of is talking therapies and that's a form of psychoanalysis therapy and now for those wondering talking therapies can help people deal with common mental health issues such as anxiety depression and stress and we know that black men are the lowest to take up talking therapies that was something that was discussed on episodes 87 as well as episode 76 so if you haven't checked those out i I encourage you to go back and do so However, the with all that being said, the the great thing about this podcast episode is you have not one but two black men who have first hand experience with the therapy that black men don't take up the most. 
so you know it's going to be a hopefully a really good insight into our personal journeys why we got into it all that good stuff all that good stuff but before we get into that today i would love to introduce a brand new segment which is called this or that it's a great way to break the ice nothing to worry about super chilled it's going to just get you comfortable and get the listeners to get to know a little bit about you that's all right no problem let's go for it all right let's let's get into it this or that Cereal, milk first or cereal first? Cereal first one. Okay, Nike or Adidas? Nike. First date, are you going on a dinner or are you taking them on an activity? This one's a hard one, you know. I'm going to say activity, but I'm not opposed to a dinner. Okay, look at you copping out already. You only three <laughs> questions in. <laughs> Online dating or jumping in the DMs? Social media is a madness, man. Online dating. <laughs> Girlfriends or guy friends? Um, I'm going to go guy friends. Oh, and you've got a lot of female friends. Yeah. Cocktails or shisha? No cop-outs. Yeah. I'm going to go cocktails. I thought you'd go shisha. I mean, I want to do both, really. True. <laughs> Okay, vacation or holiday with the lads? I ain't got a bay. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's a default answer, I guess. I mean, if I did have a bay, then it would be a vacation. Okay, okay. BMW or Mercedes? Mercedes, Mercedes we know this. Okay, <laughs> okay. Sex on the first date. Yay or nay? I mean, I'm not opposed. <laughs> so, is, so is that a yay or a nay? I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, let's go yay. Okay. Last question, which links nicely into the theme of this podcast. Do you suppress feelings or do you wear your heart on your sleeve? Oh, I'm a suppressor. You're a suppressor. We're, we're, work, we're working on the heart on the sleeve thing. I feel you. I feel you. And I feel like that's just a nice segue into the topic, which is therapy. So, Dele, for the listeners, please tell us why you, like, what made you get into therapy? So, it must have been about seven or eight months ago now. Um, I was seeing, um, I was seeing someone and they they basically just come out and said to me, you know what, Dele, you don't express anything to me. You know, I don't, you don't express if you're happy, you don't express if you're sad. You know, when I've annoyed you, you never tell me, stuff like that. And um, I really kind of just had a hard look at myself and I said, yeah, and, 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 and I'm, I more or less just said, well, I didn't say anything, if I'm being honest, but I knew she was right. And I then started to, I then had a look, mm. hard look at myself and I really asked my question, like, why is that? I started to look at, I started to look back at, you know, previous relationships and it was a common theme. So, you know, I meet someone that I do like, um, but for some reason, one reason or another, either, you know, the person I was seeing didn't really require it or I just wasn't doing it. I just wasn't really expressing. So I wasn't expressing how I felt about a certain situation, about a lot of situations, to be honest, um, whether it's good, whether it's bad. You know, I could want to I could want to meet someone on a particular day, but for some reason, I'm just not saying it, you know, stuff like that. And I just it just it was a common theme and I didn't have the answer. 
I could I genuinely couldn't tell you why I do it. Um, and then you know the idea of you know what therapy really did um, it did, really did cross my mind in terms of like just trying to find the answer. So I had a friend. Um, she actually took up therapy. Um, I think she's she's got a bit of like sort of anxiety issues, and you know she just recommended therapy. You know, in a general conversation one day, she's like, you know, I'm in therapy, I'm doing this, I enjoy it, blah blah blah. And I just it stuck with me. So I thought, you know what? I don't have the answers. I generally don't know why I do what I do. I know that if I really want to, you know, sort of build and keep healthy relationships with people, not just in yeah. relationships, but you know, with family, with friends. You know, me being able to sort of express myself a lot more is going to be beneficial. So I decided to take up therapy. I love that. And two things about that. It's very interesting that the person that got you into therapy, I'm assuming, is it was a black woman. Um, she's not, actually. Oh. Okay. Well, do you well, mean the, the person I was seeing at the time? No, no, no. The person that actually re- recommended therapy. Oh, no, she wasn't. No, but it was a, it was a woman, of yes. course, because you said it was a woman. Yeah. Okay, which kind of goes back to our point about you know black men not naturally you know therapy not being for them. It's interesting that a woman introduced you yeah. to the idea of therapy. And what's also interesting is the your reasons for getting into therapy are quite similar to mine. Yeah. So I there's a lot of issues. <laughs> Basically, the one thing I've learned from one of the one of the main things that I've learned not about by myself, but in therapy has shown me is that. We are all weird. Yeah. We are all like as humans, like we are fascinating and bloody weird individuals. Yeah. And there were certain things that had been pointed out to me, or things that I had realized about myself that I was able to kind of brush off or kind of put aside, whether it be commitment issues. And when I say commitment issues, I'm not just talking about romantically, I'm talking about committing to anything long-term. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like actually having, kind of being okay with like signing myself up for something which yeah. requires a long, you know what I mean? Some type of commitment in, in some sense, as well as at times I might not be the most affectionate person yeah. or I might find it quite hard to kind of open up. Yeah. Or, or I might, want to open up or I might, I might expect people to open up to me but I feel the need to keep my my cards close to my chest yeah. and the breaking point for me was when I realized that issues that I was currently experiencing that were affecting my partner were issues that I've heard from other people who are completely different to her yeah and that's when I realized, okay, for so many years, I've been able to kind of say, you know, that person, they, they had the issue or they blah, blah, blah. Whereas now I actually kind of, it kind of hit me in the fact of raw. I'm in a situation with someone completely different and the issues that they're bringing to the table are very similar. In fact, they are the same issues yeah. that previous people have brought. Bro, the only common denominator in this situation is 100%. you. And just similar to you, because I couldn't, I literally couldn't look at her and tell her why I do the things I do or why I feel the way I felt. I felt, you know what? It was time to go to therapy. And coupled with that, I've also, I've spoken, I've spoken about this opening the podcast. I was, I am dealing with grief yeah. and I don't think I, oh, I didn't appreciate just 
how badly it affected me. Yeah. And when you're going when you're going through grief, anyone has expect has experienced this would know there are so many other side effects, such as like lack of morale. You know, you no longer want to do the things that you used to do. Yeah. You lose your inspiration. Basically, I, I thought I was depressed to, the, to cut it to cut it short, yeah. and it made me kind of want to. I think I spoke to you about it, actually. I think I spoke to you first. I can't even remember how I decided to get into therapy, but I I know you started your therapy journey yeah. before I did. Yeah, and I I recall kind of like not knowing where to start. And I guess we'll, I guess it's a it's a it's a it's a good time to probably talk about like the process. So how did you how did you delay like get into therapy or find a therapist? So I think I think I had seen it um, on a thread on Twitter. I think it was actually you that started it, where you know we're just talking about it. <laughs> and stuff yeah, like that. and um, you know I think people then just sort of responded to the tweet, giving um, places of where they have gone to. You know, yeah, it was a tweet. It was. I think I said, "Where, where do you go? Where do you? Where can you go to find black therapists?" Yeah, something along those. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, it was something, something along those lines. Um, and I pretty much just started there, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> so obviously, I did my research. So and everything that I did see, you know, I sort of went on their website, you know, looked at it, um. And then for me, it was frontline therapist, which sort of just sort of stood out to me. Um, mm. And that's what I went to. So, you know, I made contact. Um, I actually had, I had two sessions before I actually found my actual therapist. So one okay. was sort of like a one-off, um, a one-off session. So, you know, if they have the space, they'll put it on their website. You can literally go there. I can't remember. I think it's about 25 or 30 pounds. Pay that. And then, you know, you can have a one-off session just, you know, if you're, if you're, if you feel like you're in desperate need or, you know, you need to speak to someone immediately, if they have the space, they'll open it up and then you can, you know, pay for the session, have the session. So I did that. Mm-hmm. I then, um, I then went back and then I actually filled out a little form. So, you know, now I, re- now I was really serious about therapy. Now I really wanted to sort of commit to it long-term. So, you know, filled out a form, had an assessment. And the assessment, we just pretty much talked about what is it that I wanted from, you know, therapy sessions? Why do I feel like I need um, sessions? Um, had a conversation around that. Um, good thing for me was um, they, they also asked what kind of therapist would I like? Would I like a black woman? Would I like a black man, a white woman, a white man? Um, gave them my preference. And then about, about a month later, I was paired up with someone and I was able to start sessions. And I think that was in... January or February. Amazing. And what's what's also good about this conversation is we had we had different but similar processes because I took the 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 private route because yeah. I'm one of those people and I'm sure listeners listening will agree that there's so many of us that we have private healthcare through work but we don't ever use it. Yeah. And I just I just thought you know what if I if I'm paying for this let me actually kind of see if mental health is covered and it was. So I, the first thing I did was I approached my my healthcare provider who confirmed that actually, yes, it is covered. And they, they spoke me through the process. And their process was essentially you, you need to first actually speak to a doctor, a GP, to get a recommendation okay. to basically say that you need therapy. So I, through my, again, through my private healthcare, I was able to get, I got a GP literally like the same day or the day after 
who had like a, like a 20 minute call with me, asked me some questions and was basically able to write up a report that said, it sounds like I'm depressed and talking therapy or, <laughs> which bit scared me, or medication right. would be useful at this stage. Wow. So then once I had that report, I was able to go back to my mental, my healthcare provider and they basically said, great, great. Okay. You've got this. And then essentially you're, you, they encourage you to go through their directory to find a suitable therapist. Now, this is where we become similar. Back to that thread that I posted, I'm a big advocate for, and, and for speaking to, to people that look like me and all of the reasons that all the data at the start of the kind of podcast where we spoke about the different stats kind of backs up reasons why, you know, representation is so important. And I, one of my non-compromising factors was I need to speak to a black person. That was, that was it. So going for the directory, there were some black people, but I didn't, I wasn't getting the vibe from looking at their profiles that any of them were suitable for me. So what I was able to do is I was able to basically do my own search for therapist. So I used um, the black, Black African and Asian Therapy Network. So I believe it's B-A-T-N or B-A-A-T-N yeah, yeah. to to shortlist different therapists. And then I, I basically reached out to them. So I, I picked four therapists who were all psychotherapists and um, two black men, two black women. And I, I basically, I, I, I embarked on a process that I call speed dating therapists <laughs> where I, I created an email which basically summarized why I needed therapy. So I kept talking a little bit about myself, the issues that I was going through and I just sent it. And then I had initial consultations with each of them. And this is something that's really important. Back to the point that you made. So the consultations that I had were actually free consultations. So it was like, and most therapists, if you contact them directly, they offer that as a standard, like you, you have a free consultation. Yeah. And what's really good about that is you're able to, Basically, it's like dating. You, you get a taste to see, like, do you vibe with this person? Do you feel comfortable with this person? Et cetera, et cetera. And my first conversation straight into, even though this is the first ever conversation I had with a therapist, I knew this wasn't this wasn't the person for me. Yeah. The guy said some stuff. The guy in that conversation, he made me feel as if there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Which you might be thinking, well, you're going to therapy, so clearly, but I felt as if, I almost had an like a bit of judgment. Yeah. And that that's that didn't make me feel comfortable. And then and then there was another one that was really good, but she was super busy and she was like, Well, I can fit you in, but it's gonna be quite ad hoc. And yeah. at the time when I was you know what I mean? Like yeah. I needed someone that was a little bit more structured and yeah. can kind of dedicate time to me. And the therapist yeah, yeah, a bit more support, a bit more available. And the therapist that I actually landed on. When we had our consultation, she was the last one that I spoke to, but when we had our chat straight away, man, like she asked me the uncomfortable questions. Yeah. Like she, 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 she really got into, into the shit. And, and I liken it to like one of those tough PTs. Like, you know, some people, you might not even be into PT, like um personal trainers, but you know, some people that they might want to friend others. They like yeah. people who are, gonna make basically make them feel like shit and i'm not gonna say for a second she made me feel like shit but she made it very clear that she was there to provide a service yeah. for me 
and she's there to help me, but I have to be willing to do the, the groundwork myself. And I know I respond well to that kind of, do you know what I mean? That kind of pressure. Whereas I had someone else who was, he was great, but it kind of, I kind of got the vibe that it was almost like an older friend. And I didn't want that. I wanted someone who is going to call me out on my shit or, or basically not even call me out on my shit, but make me take hard looks at myself and have those uncomfortable conversations. Anyway, once I had identified who I wanted to go work with, I went back to the the um, healthcare provider and got them got them set up. I had a very small excess fee to pay, and then they authorized um, an initial twelve sessions that I have I've been having with my therapist, and I'm 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 in the process of getting that extended. So that was that was my process, which is a bit different to yours. But I also want to flag that for those listening and thinking. Um, where do I do it? You have different options. You can do what either me or Dele said, or you can also go to your GP. 100%. If you don't want to do it privately, go to your GP and basically tell them how you're feeling and they can they can, they can can put you, get you, get the process started for a NHS talking therapy, which of course is provided um, on behalf of the NHS. But Dele, a lot of the, a lot of the barriers that people have or perceived barriers that people have when it comes to therapy is the cost. Yeah. Was that, a, was that a factor for you? So with frontline therapy, um, I actually paid an invoice today, actually, for um, my therapy session. So um, to be 100% like totally frank with you, I paid, literally today, I paid £154 for five sessions. So it's just over wow. £30 a session, which is wow, which is not that expensive, in I understand, in the sort of the therapy world. Um, so... That is the cost of it. And I believe, you know, frontline therapists as well also, they consider your financial situation. So if you're not earning, you know, if you're not earning the most, you can pay less. I actually was asked how much I wanted to pay and I just put a figure out there and I said, you know, I'm prepared to pay this and they were happy with that. So again, if you are certain, depending on where you go, I mean, if you are sort of on on low income, there are places where you can actually have free sessions. So again, mm. it's all about doing your research, looking at you know what what, what works best for you and your situation. But there are hundred percent is not the most expensive thing in the world. Definitely. Also, you know, when you're thinking about you know we all we all sort of like talk about you know our physical health and you know going to the gym and this down the third. But you know sometimes you, well not sometimes but all the time your mental health is also important. So if there is an opportunity for you to sort of take up therapy and cost is an issue. Do the research, honestly, do the research because there are places where, you know, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg to have therapy sessions. For sure, for sure. And that even even to your point, like, yeah, for, before speaking to you, I didn't know you could get therapy that, you know, that cost effective. And mm-hmm. when I was doing my search, I was surprised because most therapy was like, I was seeing some for like 50 pounds, 55 pounds. The the max I saw was like 95 pounds. And again, in the spirit of transparency, my sessions cost 60 pounds. Yeah. 60 pounds an hour um, for for an hour session. So, you know, it's definitely more cost effective and more affordable than a lot of people think. And and to the point that you made, like, this is, this is, this is like investing in you is the best kind of investment you can do and if your mind ain't right yeah nothing else can be right so i I definitely hopefully that that lets people know that cost should doesn't have to be a barrier and shout out frontline therapists for kind of providing a service that helps it make it more accessible again i spoke about nhs i spoke about batn there's so many different avenues but 
yeah, make sure you find what's right for you. Dele, you've been in therapy for how long now? It's about, ooh, how long? So I started in therapy, so about five months now. Five months. And what what would you say are some of the, the main takeouts that therapy has taught you? Well, therapy has taught me that I don't take enough time for myself. Mm. So, you know, when you look at your life and, you know, there's so many different sort of aspects to life, whether it's your work, whether it's your family, your friends, um, you know, all those sort of things. And we all have like different, I guess, different hats that we put on mm. so that we can, you know, go to work and smile at people. And, you know, if you have children, you know, look, come home, look after your children, maybe a partner, whatever, you know, all these things in life. But one thing that I realized that, you know, I, I had all these hats on, whether it's, you know, I was trying to be a partner to someone at the time and, you know, I'm trying to be a good son to my mother and I have work issues and work was weighing me down and stuff like really and truly I just found out that I didn't have enough time for myself and 100% that's what therapy has done for me. Therapy is Mm. an hour where nothing else matters. I can literally talk about all my issues, Mm. bottle them up and just talk for an hour where someone is listening and not just listening because you know you know you you have conversation with friends sometimes and you know they are listening to you but you know sometimes they don't exactly know how to respond because you know they're not well versed in whatever issue they're Mm. going through but you know with a it's not they're not a professional yeah exactly they're not a professional but you know with a therapist you have someone who is genuinely listening to you and is genuinely they generally have the best for you and they you know they, they 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 want the best for you they want you to they want you to be better in whatever issue that you may have. So when you ask, um, what do I take from it? I mean, it's just an hour for me. Mm. An hour a week for me where nothing else matters. Work work doesn't matter. You know, me trying to be a good partner to someone doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. No, nah, man, that's, 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 that's really, that's really interesting. And it's, it's really good to kind of hear, like some of your some of your takeouts for me therapy has taught me a few things one is the impacts of childhood 100% like fam <laughs> i didn't realize how hurt and how 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 much trauma i'd experienced yeah. or we all experienced and i didn't realize like just how impactful like how you're raised is and how your childhood is yeah. the impact that has on the adult you become. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. And it's, it's, it's taught me so much about myself. So, like I have abandonment issues. I have attachment issues and like, I can get into the, you know, what is that? But the most important thing is the therapy has helped me kind of pinpoint where that's come from. Yeah. And it's been able to, it's enabled me to kind of realize that firstly, I'm not a fucking lunatic for feeling like this. Yes. I'm not a weirdo for feeling like this. And most importantly, there are ways to kind of help manage and overcome that. Yes. Like that's the childhood trauma thing is definitely a, a big takeout. Yeah. Another one, which I think Dele, either you knew as well, or I told you about transactional analysis. Yes. So transactional analysis basically is, I forgot who created the framework, the analysis, but it looks at conversations as transactions and there's three different states. You have the adult state, the parent state, 
and the child state. And it basically shows like how different conversations, different transactions can, we can, we can fall into the, the different states and the impact that has. And for, so for instance, I'll give you, give a good example, Dele. You are, you work for me. You've come in late. Yeah. Yep. And I'm your boss. And I've literally, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you late? Why are you always late? No, 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 no. Now, Dele, if you was to respond, if you was to respond, I don't know how you are with, with your boss, but a lot of people in that situation, you might be like super apologetic, yeah. super kind of, oh, I'm sorry. And that is basically falling into a childlike state. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've become a parent, you're a child. Whereas an adult-like response would have been, hang on, there's no need to talk to me like that. Yeah. You actually don't understand what's going on. I do apologize for being late, but there's no reason for you to talk to me in the way you've spoken to me. Like, you're actually harassing me. And I, in fact, I might actually go to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've, you've, you've basically changed the dynamic in that situation. The person that was had on the other end of that transaction, either has the, the, they, 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 they have, they now choose how do they respond? Yeah. Because are they going to respond in a, in a, in a child? Cause what, what, what often happens is they then become the child Yes. and they, you've, you've made them see the error in their ways. And they're like, Oh, oh like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Then now they're apologetic. Or do they also respond as an adult and actually take um, appreciation for the wrong that they've done and try to make amends? And that was really helpful in just understanding how I, in my relationship and different relationships, in fact, different with people, with friends, how I can fall into different modes. Like that, the ideal state is the, is the adult state. But I realized that how I can fall into the parent and child mode and the impact that has on arguments, um, misunderstandings. So transactional analysis is definitely something I urge people to look into. Yeah. I think um, another one that I think you showed me this as well is obviously the, the attachment types. Yes, that was the next one I was going to talk about. Go go for it. Talk about attachment types. I mean, I haven't... So I've taken the test and I think I know, I know what I am, but, you know, in terms of getting into sort of an intimate relationship with someone, there's different sort of sorts of attachment types. So I believe there's um, avoidant, the secure, I can't fearful, fearful. What's, I think there's yes, there's there's. I've I've literally just pulled up some some research, some some data that's going to help. We don't have a therapist on the line, so just make sure we are getting people accurate information. But a person's attachment style is their specific way of relating to others in relationships, according to attachment theory, first developed by psychologist Mary Ainsworth and psychiatrist. John Bowlby in the 1950s, attachment style is shaped and developed in early childhood in response to our relationships with our earliest caregivers, which is normally our parents. Essentially, our adult attachment style is thought to be a mirror of the dynamics we had with caregivers as infants and children. The four main attachment styles are secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. Secure is all about you're able to form secure love and relationships with others. Um, you know, a securely attached person can trust others and be trusted. They can love and accept love and get close to others with relative ease. Yeah? Yeah. According to some studies, 56% of adults have um, secure relationships. I don't think it's that high, but whatever. Anxious. This is a form of 
Insecure attachment style marked by a deep fear of abandonment. So anxiously attached people tend to be very insecure about their relationships, often worrying that their partner will leave them and thus are always hungry for validation. This attachment style is often associated with neediness. Yeah? Interesting, yeah. Interesting. Then you've got avoidment, avoidant attachment. This is a form of insecure attachment style marked by a fear of intimacy. People with avoidant attachment style tend to have trouble getting close to others or trusting others in relationships. They typically maintain some distance from their partners or are largely emotionally unavailable for their relationships. Wow, drag me. <laughs> avoidant attachment is also known as dismissive avoidant attachment, and it generally aligns with the anxious avoidant attachment style observed among children. And then you've got fearful avoidant attachment. This is a combination. This is me. <laughs> this is a combination of both anxious and avoidant attachment styles. People with fearful avoidment attachment styles both desperately crave affection and want to avoid it at all costs. Drag me through the mud. They're reluctant to develop a close romantic relationship, yet at the same time, they have a dire need to feel loved by others. And Deli, you said you've done the test. What, what did it come back for you? As? It definitely came back as um, fearful avoidant. So maybe that's why me and you are close friends. <laughs> <laughs> We, we both desire we both desire love and that security but for whatever reasons we're also fearful of it now yeah we have different childhoods like mine could be due to the the fact of you know i i wasn't always raised by my parents and then when i got into my formative years my teens my parents moved to nigeria i know you your parents separated while you were relatively young right yeah so my parents split up when i was still in primary school um so my dad left the the, home, the house. Um, so it was just me and my mum. And my mum always used to work. She had to work, obviously. She had to keep a roof over our heads. So, you know, through therapy as well, Same. through therapy, it just became, it became very, very clear through the sessions that I, I, I struggled to express based on the fact that there was no one at home to express to. So, you know, as you can imagine, my mum's done a 12-hour yep. you know, I don't want to say that she's sort of, you know, just fobbing me off, but you know, I, she's come home, she's tired. You know, she doesn't, she wants as little stress from me as possible. And I know this. So, you know, I kind of just set, set the context. Your your mom, your mom was, your mom was a, a frontline worker. Your mom was a nurse, mom was a nurse. in the NHS. That's yeah. how our mums actually met. Your mom was a nurse doing that, doing that, the night shifts, four days on a trot sometimes. Yeah. So, so yeah, just to set the context. Yeah, so as you can imagine, you know, my mum's come back after the third the third night shift. She she's not really trying to hear much from me. So as you can imagine, at school, if something bad happens at school, that you know, really and truly I should come back home to tell my parents. There's no one to tell. The same way, if something good happens, I get a good grade in a test, or you know, I got praise from my teachers in school, there's no one to tell. And as I've grown up, gone through secondary school, college, uni, I have still I still act the same way as if I was, you know, in primary school, in a sense, you know, I'm not mm. speaking out on these things. I'm not speaking out whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad. Obviously when I was younger, it's because I was, there was no one to tell, but now I'm just not doing it because that's how I've always done it. You know, my therapist said that, you know, that's my sort of survival technique. You know, I just find a way to deal with it myself and that's not necessarily the right way to go about it. Bro, I feel like... <laughs> 
we have the same therapist or we're the same person and, we, and, and neither of those are true, but very, very similar. As a direct result, and through therapy I uncovered this, as a direct result of me not either having, due to proximity or just not having a relationship, being able to open up to my parents and people essentially kind of abandon me or at least me feeling abandoned, yeah. I developed a sense of independence. Yeah. And just like you, you know, I was the youngest where, well, you're the only child, yeah. I'm the youngest, where, you know, your parents are off at, on night shifts, for instance, you fend for, like, in a way, you fend for yourself, you're left to your own devices, and yeah. you know that, it, you know, tiredness and stress just becomes synonymous with your with your, with your mum yeah. when she works in that kind of environment. And you want to do as little as possible to speak up and rock the boat. 100%. Whether that's, whether that's be overly happy when you know she's stressed or whether that's be a troublesome. So you just try and basically be as passive as possible yeah. just to make, maintain the status quo. And like you said, that evolves into you not knowing how to basically bring people in on the journey because you're yeah. so used to doing you. And, and we kind of we kind of make ourselves feel good about it by saying that we are independent, we're autonomous, we don't need people. But that there's also a you know, very, very bad side to that. And... You know, I was speaking to one of my boys um, recently who he, 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 something very traumatic happened to him where he actually lost a friend, a close friend to him in a very traumatic way. And I only found out because someone had mentioned to me that he went to a funeral. And when I spoke to him about it, one of the things he said that still sticks to me to this day was he, he finds it hard to tell people how he feels. So he suppresses it because he doesn't want to burden people with his shit. Yeah. And for me, that's fucking worrying because this is one of my closest friends. Yeah. This is someone who's very happy-go-lucky, but he's also very, he keeps himself to himself. And for if you didn't know this, you would just assume that he's cool. Yeah. He's fine. But meanwhile, the house is on fire. Yeah. But he's not even trying to let you know that because he he's worried about making you feel like, he's worrying you. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. is, which is, which is bloody crazy. But yeah, but obviously clearly for both of us, attachment styles is something that is, has taught us loads. Yeah. Another common factor, another theme rather that I realize is me. Like I, I am the cause of a lot of the issues that I have. And what I mean by that is whether it's, me being scared so that stops me from putting myself in for, for for certain things or or me me being kind of set in my ways but also just the fact of different things that are happening and affecting different relationships if all these people are different the common denominator is me so that was just really kind of helpful and it also allowed therapy has also allowed me to see myself from others shoes yeah, because your therapist is objective. Yeah, so you're always gonna kind of talk from one lens, but she'll she'll she or he they will will pay devil's advocate and also kind of you know one thing that's really good about therapy is they I didn't know this before, but they they build it around you. They're not there to they're not there to talk to you. They're there to kind of help you make let you talk and help you make sense of what you're saying. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I found that so useful. What I found is, especially in the earlier sort of um, sessions that I was having, is that I would get on, obviously everything's done over Zoom because of um, 
because of obviously the pandemic. Because of the Pandora, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so what I would find is, you know, we've, we've logged on and literally I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that, you know, my therapist is just going to start talking. And what I find is that she's just quiet. She's just sitting there. She's literally waiting for me. Whatever. And, and again, that's why I say it's, it's whatever I want to talk about. It's all about me. If I want to discuss something, we can discuss it. Really and truly, if I wanted to sit there for the 15 minutes quiet, she'll probably allow mm. that to happen because it's all on us. If you if you want to go to therapy, it's all on us to really, you know, think about what we want to discuss and, you know, so that she can again, or so that your therapist can give you the best objective view. Advice podcast. Deli, we've got some questions from Instagram. I asked people to kind of submit some questions regarding therapy. Um, which I'd love to kind of throw to you and get your thoughts on, if that's all right. Let's go for it. Cool. So this question, I've combined this question. It's come from both my my boy Israel and the BKH, Brian. Um, How long did it take you to become comfortable talking to the therapist slash opening up to the therapist? So... The reason it didn't take me long is because I was, it was clear that was, there was something wrong with me and I really just wanted to sort it out. I think at the time, I, I wanted to be able to sort of maintain mm. my relationships a lot better than I was already doing. And mm. I, I guess you could say I kind of wanted a quick fix. But then, you know, going through therapy and mm. realising that it's not a quick fix, it kind of just forces you to mm. be open, you know. And you're not going to get any results, from therapy without being open. And that's just the honest, hard truth. You're not going to get... Man, any I, I feel of, you. You're not going to get any sort of result yeah. if you're not as open and, and if you're not yourself. I feel you. And for, mine's very similar. The, for me, the, the biggest barrier, the, the scariest part was actually admitting that I needed the help. Was actually... Yeah you know, reaching out to people. Because I've been thinking about therapy for years and I've been, like, like you mentioned, I've been telling people to get therapy and providing access to therapy for years without actually myself going through it. And that was the hardest and the, the least comfortable part. But once I kind of set, once I was able to tell strangers that I had the issues that I had, everything from no, like, uh, you know, I won't get into my issues, but when I was able to kind of, be very honest with the things that I was struggling with, that was the hardest part. Yeah. Everything then was all about, once I made the t- decision to pick the therapist that I did, it's, I already knew that they provided the environment that allowed me to be vulnerable. But some topics are much harder than others, 100%. like talk, talking about intimacy, especially physical, or talking about like grief, talking about the loss of, 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 of someone dear to me. Those are more, those are triggering conversations. And I call therapy a positively triggering experience because yes, there will be times when you're like, bro, what, why am I doing? Why am I putting myself through this? Like, this is hard, but the net is always positive. You always come out better. So I can only encourage it, but thank you for your answer. Dells. Another question. We've got two questions. One's from Benita and one's from charity. Shout out them both. How did you overcome the, the idea of like, men shouldn't you know because you know a lot of people like men don't open up we suppress things like how did you even overcome that barrier of men not going into therapy you know a bit like you i've never been opposed to um therapy but mm. i always thought that you know maybe i can just have therapy with my friends you know mm. like you know i mean before therapy me and you we used to have we have 
long conversations about any, anything and everything. Mm. But in mm. regards to just overcoming it, I think, I guess for me, it's just, it just became too much. It was, it was just, again, it was just a clear issue that I had. And mm. if I didn't overcome it, then this issue would just continue. Mm. I guess it was just a, a sort of a, it was a push because I wanted to correct what I thought was wrong. I love that. One question from from both of our friend Misha. Shout out Misha. Shout out Misha. What was one misconception you had before starting therapy that changed after you started therapy? Oh gosh. Good question, right? Very good question. I'll start my the big the biggest one for me was probably the cost. Yeah. Like I thought therapy was a lot more costly than it was and also I thought therapists were there to kind of like, like I thought that it would be a lot more of them talking. Yeah. When it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. As I say, you know, I I have therapy sessions and, you know, my my therapist is literally waiting for me to set the tone. Mm. I definitely agree with that. In terms of misconceptions, I guess, I, I guess the misconception is that, you know, if you are going to therapy, that there's something very, very wrong with you. And yes, that's, that's just not the case. I mean, I would advise everyone to go to therapy, even if you think you don't need it. Everyone. Yeah, like, it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with you. If you are going to therapy, that's definitely a misconception. And even sometimes when I'm talking about certain stuff, I'm thinking my therapist must think I'm crazy, but mm. you know, it's, it's just not the case. And I think that's hundred percent a misconception that, you know, needs to be overturned. There's nothing wrong with you if you are going to therapy. If anything, it says that there's something right with you because yeah. you're trying to better yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't, yeah. people are going to the doctors to get well. Do you know what I mean? People, we do stuff to improve. Like there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And I, and I, and that's why I made the, even the point, like for me, we are all weirdos in our own way. And that's, that's what, that's what's normal about us. Like the idea of perfection is the scam. Yeah. That's the dangerous, the, the thing, the minute when you start feeling like, I'm effed up. Everyone else is not. That's when you know what I mean. When really, no, we're all we're all fucked up in our own individual ways. But let's at least make sense of why we are like that, so that we can help each other and help ourselves yeah. make better decisions going forward. I, I delay. Me and you. I said to you like, you know, I wish when people got with each other, instead of saying like, oh, what, tell me about you, they literally cut to the chase and was like, so tell cool. me about your toxic traits. What's wrong with you? <laughs> How are you fucked up? I feel like if we start a conversation like that, I feel like we'll just have a much better outcomes. But hey, man, um, uh, there might be a pack dream. The last question, Dells, that I've got is from the Elise. And she asks, how can you tell if you have a bad therapist? You know, I think you'll probably be better suited to answer it. But the reason I would say I yes. don't have a bad therapist is because she she genuinely listens to what I say and it's not, it's never, I never feel judged about anything I say, mm-hmm. you know, and I've I never felt forced or, yeah, I'm never, I've never felt forced or anything like that. That's why I would say I don't have a bad therapist, but obviously you kind of did a sort of an interview style yep. thing to get Speed date. So, yeah, no, 100%. And to be fair, you can't answer that question because everything you just said, if you don't have that, I would say that's a that's the mark of a bad therapist. Yeah. 
also if you have a therapist that's making that's making judgments based on generalizations as opposed to an individual approach or if they are making it about them yeah. and giving you their do you know what i mean like yeah. they, they're there to be objective yeah. you can ask them for a personal opinion and they'll make it very clear that you know in my opinion or yeah. my, in my professional opinion but it should be about you so if you find that it's about them that's an issue and like i said the first person that i spoke to although it was my first conversation with a therapist period just, they made me feel judged yeah, just knew. <laughs> i knew that this guy wasn't for me and actually i went i went ended up going with a a black woman and black male or female i think it's what works for you but i just vibed with my current therapist the most and that's why i've done it so that's i haven't i haven't i don't have a bad therapist i have a great therapist but if you don't feel you're able to open up if you don't feel comfortable if you feel judged if you feel like they're talking about them if you feel that they're focused on at the end of the day therapists are professional people so my therapist is very like you know the hour is the hour like i'm get i'm gonna i'm you know what i mean like she respects her time she's not there's no such thing as there's no overtime there's no there's no overtime but in that in that hour she's 100 dedicated to me she's not checking her phone she's not yeah. doing she's it's all of it's all about me so yeah. if you have someone that's like they're, they're really focused on money but they're not they're not you're not getting a fair exchange that's an issue and yeah, and and yeah man that's that's definitely some things to to to, to look at advice podcast Jelly, it's a good place to to wrap up and i think in terms of like for like inside for for people who are contemplating therapy or may not be contemplating therapy but this is an insightful conversation what kind of advice or advice rather would you give to those people? Um, the first thing I would say is that I really do feel like you need to have a certain level of self-awareness. Um, you need to sort of look at yourself and ask yourself the questions that maybe you can't answer. Um, that'll be the first thing. So, you know, obviously we talked about sort of getting into therapy in the first place. And I think that only happens because you have a certain level of self-awareness and self-evaluation. Um, um, mm. to get into therapy and once you're in it I think the only thing that I can then say is just just be as open as possible to get the best result mm. that is mm. that is literally all I can say and, and I think that will probably go with any sort of you know whatever your you think your issue is if you're as open as you can you'll definitely get the results you desire mm. no I, I love that man and for me, I would say therapy is an extremely personal journey. And although we've, we've done this podcast in the aim to raise awareness and encourage people, at no point would either myself nor Dele, I'm, I'm sure, would ever say, like, you have to go to therapy or we'd, we'd push you into therapy because you need to want to go to, you have to want to, to go yourself because it's a personal thing that's going to benefit, it's going to benefit you. So, like, don't ever feel pressured to get into therapy if you're not ready for it. It took me years. It took me years. But you want you you should you should want to go for you, not because of other people. Of course, if it's affecting other people, that's a reason too. But ultimately, you need to want to go to therapy. Yeah. Um. And also, like we've we've gone through the different ways to to do it. There's it's it's so much more accessible than you may think yeah. it is. So don't let that be a barrier. And yeah. Just generally, go in with an open mind. You're not alone. 
you you are a weirdo, but we're all weirdos, and it's actually norm, normality, which is the weird thing, and that's the thing that that's that's crippling a lot of us because we think we're meant to be this this one way, and no one's like that, and and that kind of pursuit and that kind of misconception creates further issues. But yeah, man, hopefully that's enough to kind of let you guys ponder over. But any questions related to this, like you know use the hashtag advice podcast jump in the dms tweet message if you've got a question for Dele, you can holler at him holler at me you know and I'll pass it on like you're more than more than happy to kind of answer those questions but Dells, hopefully you can stick around for um i've got two two quick segments at the end of the podcast um just to kind of end on end on a we had the icebreaker we're gonna you know end on some something else and i felt that the first one is it's a new one again it's called "Is it just me?" Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you just, you just have to answer the question and just and tell me if, if I'm alone in this. So, Dele, yeah, is it just me that hates when people of different race call me different these interesting names such as brother or my pet peeve, Dele? And it, I, I, I find this. I find from my experience, this happens from white middle class men they refer to me as buddy <laughs> is is this is it just me i get you on the buddy part but if someone from a different ethnicity calls me bro or brother i can i can you know it doesn't bother me i don't i think it's just you <laughs> I get the buddy part. Dude. I get the 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 buddy part. Hundred percent. Do you not find? Have you ever been called buddy and you felt like, whoa, are you trying to patronize me? For me, it feels like I'm their little entertaining. <laughs> little I don't know. I hate it. I hate it. What about fella? What do you think about fella? That's fine. <laughs> not <laughs> fine yet. That's right. That one. That... No, it's not that it's fine. That one is like, firstly, I haven't been really called fella. It's just, that one's a little bit more, that one for me is like, it's more of a, I don't really know you, but do you know what I mean? It's like, it's that, whereas buddy for me is like, because when you think of what a buddy actually is, you don't, a buddy is someone you meant to be close. So it's, you, I'm not your buddy. So why are you yeah. calling me buddy, bro? Yeah. No. Do you know what? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I think it's just you. I don't want to lie. All right, cool. So <laughs> the verdict you know, getting get involved in the conversation online. Hashtag advice podcast. Is it just me or, or, or I'm not alone on that? And then last segment, Delhi. That's mad. Nah, that's a bit mad still. And for those of you who don't know, that's when I take a story um that's trending and which I find bloody mad and we just talk about it, give it a little bit more perspective and get our thoughts. So, Dele, you would have heard this news as well, but from the end of September, vaccine passports and confirmation that you've been jabbed with both doses will be a mandatory requirement for you to enter the club. How do you feel about this, Dele? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. So, to get into a club now, I need to get both vaccines. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with other, like with a sporting event. Is that no, no? Because the because COVID only exists in nightclubs. Oh, oh! I, I never knew that. Boris Johnson didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, just thinking that I'm an Arsenal supporter and I want to go to the Emirates at some point 
in the next season. And there's going to be 60,000 people if I go there. But I don't need a vaccine. I don't need to be jabbed twice to go to the Emirates Stadium. But I do when I go to the club to do a team. Club or, or it's weird because I think clubs and festivals will be impacted. But then we, we saw all the people in the World Cup. It makes no sense, makes man. Sense, yeah. I would love and they they're clearly well, I love you know good luck with this government <laughs> but they they're clearly they're clearly um trying to aim towards the youth and get more youth vaccinated but I feel like to make that a stipulation for me that goes against people's civil liberty like it goes against their basic rights 100% like for me I've received my first dose of the vaccine and I've I've got an ep- I've got multiple episodes talking about the vaccine. Um, go back and check those out. I've got episodes where I speak to doctors, speak to actual medical professionals about the vaccine, and you know, um, spoke to a nurse, spoke to a doctor, and that will hopefully give you guys more um information. And I made up my own mind. And to be fair, I I was very much I wasn't sure about getting a vaccination, but I decided on the day to get it. But I wholeheartedly understand and respect anybody who doesn't feel okay about it doesn't feel comfortable i don't i'm not one of those people going to make you feel bad because there's a lot of reasons not to trust it and there's also a lot of reasons to get it so whatever whatever's do you bro but by the time the 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 club enforcement comes around i'll be double not that our club (laughs) but i'll be i'll be i'll be double i've already got the one dose so you know i might as well top it up now (laughs) i can't i can't take it out i can't take it out but yeah man that is definitely mad man Dele, i appreciate you so much for joining me on this episode of the ads vice podcast i hope you've enjoyed the chat no honestly thank you for having me no man it's it's a pleasure we definitely need to get you back um more more often to kind of help me co-host some some episodes and um are coming up on the next episode of the ads vice podcast then it's the topic that you'll definitely be interested in i'll be talking about online dating <laughs> and I'll, I'll be looking at at hinge you know has hinge become unhinged i'll be looking at um different experiences why 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 black women in particular have such a hard time on these apps or they tend to and just just some of the interesting kind of um revolution trends and 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 events that have happened since online dating has become so so mainstream because i always tend to do like every year or every every you know maybe every twice a year maybe i have episode about dating and relationships and they always tend to go down the storm i know it's a topic we talk about a lot on twitter so that will be the theme of the next episode so do make sure you check that guy check that out um as always leave a review on apple podcast if you haven't don't know what you're playing at let me know how this podcast went like hashtag advice podcast drop me a dm email hello at advice just let me know what you what how what you think how i can make it better all of that good stuff is always appreciated and whatever you do continue to stay safe stay blessed and yeah man just have a have a have a great week but delay again i appreciate you thank you so much no worries man Cool. Peace. Advice podcast. Do you feel controlled, belittled, or isolated by a partner or family member? This is domestic abuse, and it is never your fault. Help is always available, and you are not alone. You do not deserve abuse. You deserve support. 
If you are experiencing domestic abuse, ask for Annie in pharmacies, showing the Ask for Annie logo to get immediate help to call the police or support services. For free helpline support and advice, visit gov.uk forward slash domestic hyphen abuse.